babe, I need you to go to your calendar settings and open it up mm-hmm. and check what you're doing on Tuesday, May the 28th. Doing that right now. What's happening, Tim? Tuesday, May the 28th. That is our first hold the date I want to tell you about. It's humane, unmade's riff on what's happening in the world of AI and how it affects media and marketing. So humane returns to Sydney on Tuesday, May the 28th. Now, I'm not demanding that everybody buys a ticket just yet, but at the very least, pop it in your diary so that um, you can um, you, you can have the choice available to you. And remades happening later in the year again? Yes, or another one for your diary. Uh, please go to your calendar again, Abe, mm-hmm. and check what you're doing on Tuesday, October the 1st, and pencil in remade, which is our take on where the world of retail media networks are going, uh, also in Sydney. So that's Humane on Tuesday, May the 28th, and Remade on Tuesday. We seem to like Tuesdays, October the 1st. Start the week with Unmade. Setting the agenda for the week in media and marketing. Today, a new start for the TV industry. Will Nine sell Domain? And the ABC prepares for a new boss. Unmade. It's Monday, January 29, 2024. Welcome to a new year. I'm A Beauty and good morning, Tim Burrows. Good morning, Abe. Now, we've been doing this podcast long enough that I, I, I know you have a bit of a kind of Australia Day long weekend tradition, and it involves slip and slides. It involves giant water slides and uh, swimming in a creek and uh, lots of <laughs> dishwashing soap. We uh, yeah, we took a, a heap of friends away to uh, to my in-laws' cabin on the weekend and had lots of fun, uh, lots of kids' activities, and the adults are happy when the kids are happy, so it was a good weekend. How was yours? Mine was uh, was good. I was uh, I I had some travel to New South Wales at the end of uh, uh, last week, so I only made it back to Tasmania uh, late on Saturday night. So it felt like a short weekend, but I'm pleased to get back into it. And um, where shall we start this week? Well, let's start, and it's a fairly it's not a brand new story, but it's a big story. I think let's start with the TV ratings. There's a new system starting today. How is it going to work? And I mean, I, I, I hope it's going to work, but how is it going to work? Yeah, look, the, the, the big change, and I, I think the penny really only dropped late last week, actually, is there's going to be a real de-emphasis of average audience ratings, which has been the metric for many, many years. So, you know, when we're sort of, you know, when we're talking about last night's show and we say, you know, a million people watch the tennis or whatever it is, what we mean is at any given time, an average of a million people were watching according to the ratings. Now, obviously, where 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 a, 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 a sports match goes longer or a TV show is longer, the reach, the cumulative audience is much bigger because, you know, people tune in and, 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 and tune out. And the big change is the TV industry is trying to effectively, I suppose, change the conversation and retrain the trade press in large part to start talking about reach rather than average audiences. So the data that um, arrives with the trade press as of today will start arriving later. So it won't arrive at 
nine o'clock in the morning anymore. It will now start arriving just before lunchtime. And the emphasis will be all about reach. Now, what I can't say yet, because I haven't seen that first report yet, is just how much data there still will be about um, average audience. You know, there, there, there are some hints that there'll be something, but what you won't be able to look is take a look and say, ah, oh, you know, in in Sydney, X people were watching Nine News at 6pm and, you know, 9-1 in that market and 7-1 in Melbourne. I don't think that sort of data is going to be available and again, the other piece, which as far as we can tell, and this was very much, and maybe we'll talk about this in a second, this was very much an announcement sneaked out just before the long weekend. As far as I can tell, there there also won't be data on kind of share of audience. So we won't be able to say, you know, nine had 21% of the um, free-to-air audience and seven had 19% or whatever it might be. So it may be harder to, to name winners and losers. Um, but... As I say, because this was an announcement kind of slipped out um, just, just, just as the people were winding down for the weekend, there's not been much of an opportunity to actually ask clarifying questions about it. Perhaps I'm a bit thick, but why wouldn't the networks want to have these actual like, numbers of you know, 25% of share? Why wouldn't they want that published? Is it a way they're trying to mask declines or... Or is it, in their mind, a more actual, actual and accurate way of representing what's actually going on in a, a new world of streaming? I don't, I don't fully understand it. That's a very good question. Look, and I, I you know, I, I, I see that piece of information and data as certainly less sensitive. So I suspect that may actually be possibly that they actually can't agree between themselves what the measurement should be because we've seen seven championing a national number so they want to talk all about uh, the numbers not just for metro but also the regions as well so they would arguably want a kind of percentage share number nationally nine still you know, still tends to to win in metro so they would probably argue to stay in metro um as in the you know the five capital cities um and then of course that percentage number that used to come out for Metro that everybody leaned towards, that was only um, effectively sort of broadcast and live streaming. So it it didn't take in catch-up viewing and all of those things. So I suspect that the argument on that one might at least in part be a technical one, whereas the, the, the one which, you know, certainly is a PR thing is the average audience for shows because that's the one where there's a comparison that always falls so you know um the 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 number of people watching show x is even when you take into account streaming is this much less than last time because the audience is still leaking out uh to netflix to disney to whatever it is so um so yeah so i i I, I think the average is definitely about trying to sort of mask declines, but that percentage share, I suspect that might simply be that the networks can't agree between themselves what the percentage figure should cover. So what are the, the, what are the pressures facing the TV networks this year? Yeah, look, much the same as last time, really. So there's been an advertising downturn, and um, generally, and Australia has probably had it worse than many. You know, funnily enough, I was just reading something in the in the British trade press last week, and was 
surprised to read their angle was despite the cost of living crisis, how long can the advertising boom go on for, which was uh, how things have been in the UK, which is not the situation here. Um, you know, and that, that, that has really been about marketers sort of pulling back their spend generally. But then for TV, they've also just got those structural changes that dollars are flowing to the platforms and elsewhere um, as audiences and eyeballs are flowing to the platforms and elsewhere. Um, in screen, you've got just this, more and more competition so you know the big new challenges for this coming year are going to be advertising tiers for disney and for amazon's streaming services which are going to you know again that's going to create a whole new kind of center of gravity for advertising spend in the market when it happens um you know we've seen that as a the the story in the afr today you know disney is um, really going very well in Australia. You know, the uh, uh, the Disney in Australia sent back um, something like $426 million to the parent company in the most recent um, recently available um, set of accounts, which the, the AFR covered today. So, you know, it, um, it, it, it's still a challenging time to be in television, you know, um, which, you know, which, which it always has been. But um, but yeah, it certainly feels that um, then they're not not through the worst of the disruption yet. It's really interesting. I'm in the ad production business, obviously audio for for commercials. That's a big part of our business. And for a while there, I thought we were in trouble. Subscription streaming. Uh, there are going to be a lot less ads, but it seems the wheel's turning and actually advertising isn't going to die. It's just going to appear on these different platforms that were once ad-free. I thought that's it's fascinating to see that happen. It is. I mean, the more I think about it, the more I think it is a pendulum, which does swing in both directions. You know, when I um, wrote my book a couple of years back, which was kind of about that period, 2010 to 2020, 21, that was right when the pendulum was swinging towards subscription being the main way that people paid for their content and away from advertising. That's in newspapers and in streaming. And since then, the pendulum reached the top and now it's starting to swing back again. You know, advertising has come through all of these platforms that did did embrace the purity of subscriptions have started to recognize that you just can't ignore that other uh, revenue stream which is advertising next the abc's big year unmade Today's media and marketing pages are still full of last week's big news kim williams will be the chair of the abc You've already written about this one, Tim. How will things change? Yeah, this was a strange one. Well, this was a strange one for me writing it as well. So this happened on the, the announcement came through on Wednesday morning. I was I was on the train on the way way up to kind of the central coast of New South Wales on the on the way to a funeral, and I thought I had the newsletter already written when this announcement came through. So um, yes, I, I I literally had to rewrite the whole thing in my lap. Um, and luckily, I did have a copy of uh, a copy of my book, which had lots of quotes about Kim Williams in there from when I'd researched the book during his previous thing. So I had had all of my background on hand. Um, I think the uh, the big changes is Kim Williams is somebody who goes into places to do stuff. He doesn't go in there to serve time. So 
in this role, he will go in um, to set the strategy for the ABC effectively. That's what the job of the chair is. Uh, the managing director's job is to execute the strategy of the board. Now, what that means in practice over the years has swung back and forth a bit. You know, you you get very capable MDs like I think Mark Scott was the last one um, who, would, who could be described as a great MD um, who would would really take an agenda and drive an agenda and others who are about uh, trying to stick with status quo like you know David Anderson is the current one who probably is far more in that mold and then you know you 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 get more or less from the chair as a result so yeah I think what we'll see is a David Anderson won't know what's hit him when Kim Williams starts um and b there'll be I'm sure tension and you know we'll, we'll it could be healthy tension, it could be unhealthy tension between the remit of Kim Williams wanting to kind of drive this change and the MD for um, executing it. Um, so I think for the, uh, you know, for the for, for the staff of the ABC, um, there are plenty of clues around um, on, on what Kim Williams thinks of the organisation and the culture because he has worked there before. We forget this now, and I, I must admit this was before my time in Australia, but the ABC has actually launched um, or tried to launch a subscription service. You know, this is uh, getting on for 20, a little bit over 20 years ago now, and Kim Williams was the person who tried to do that but had a horrible time at the ABC. He covered it in in his book, which was called Rules of Engagement. He wrote that after he was... Um, uh, ousted from News Corp, but his quote about the ABC, the ABC was an enormously harsh and difficult place to work. It was almost incapable of considering its audience as it was so mired in internal factions, divisions, and industrial rigidities of the most arcane kind. And that, guys, is your new boss. So um, that that's that that's going to be super interesting because he knows what he's going into. Um, my hunch is, um, I I think he's not going to go in slowly and gently. Um, again, the indication for him when he left News Corp was if he had one regret, it's not sacking his opponents who stood against him sooner. Um, so he's going to be a man in a hurry. So it's a government appointment. Will he? Will he be independent? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think you know the the, the cynics would point to the fact that um, you know he's the son-in-law of the, the late Gough Whitlam, which will probably give some comfort to Labour people. But he has got such a history of being independent-minded. You know, before he went over and ran News Corp, he was in charge of Foxtel. Now, this wasn't the Foxtel that was majority owned by News Corp back then. This was the Foxtel owned by the Packers, the Murdochs, and Telstra. So he had to be truly independent to represent the interests of all of those shareholders keep all of their trust and keep them on the side and and he did that you know you you never hear anybody who suggests he was uh you know more biased in favor of one than another you know and the fact that he was willing to stand up to a fearsome person like Kerry Packer and did it and he has anecdotes about that in his book certainly suggests that he'll be the same here you know he will have his mission which will be his shareholders this time are the australian public you know yes he's been appointed by the australian government but um he will not buckle to that you know that's just not his style so how's the abc currently traveling uh like if you just look at you know today's 
issues and there are always issues, but they've got the fair work battle with Antoinette Latouf, which was the, the person who was, was very briefly given some on air shifts, um, for ABC Sydney, um, but had been sharing some, um, social media posts around the conflict in the Middle East. So her, um, five days worth of shifts were cut short. Um, and she's certainly managed to stay in the spotlight about that ever since. And I must admit, I am slightly cynical whenever someone has a new podcast to launch and they go into battles like this. Um, but you know, maybe it's a matter of principle, but again, you know, I, I, I just think the principle is if you, if you do want to be on air for the ABC, you lose some of your right of free speech to tell the world what you think while you're a presenter. Um, they've also got challenges with audience and that's both in television uh, and radio as well. Um, and hey, and in radio, they are beginning to make the changes. So uh, we saw Ben Latimer come in as the head of audio last year and we've already seen the beginnings of changes there. More still to come, I think. You know, my my impression is that... Um, you know, changes have already ha- begun to happen at the city stations. Changes have already begin- begun to happen at um, Triple J, which is the youth-focused network with Richard Kingsmill, the long-established boss, um, uh, being made redundant to make way for kind of, um, you know, sort of uh, new talent, I suppose, but, yeah, new, you know, a new energy. Um, but so far, I haven't seen much change yet to ABC Radio National, which um, is arguably the most um, ratings challenged of the lot. Next, will Nine sell Domain? Unmade. Tim, the AFR has a piece of deal news today. Nine has been trying to drum up some interest in its stake of Domain. Yeah, that's right. This is an exclusive in the AFR. So headline, Nine's bankers asked private equity if they were interested in Domain. So the signal that we can't take is that a deal is imminent. I don't think it is. Now, it's worth remembering kind of what the structure is. Nine owns about 60% of Domain, which is the uh, real estate platform. So um, that's both online and obviously has a a presence in the the newspapers as well. there are two major real estate platforms in Australia. There's Domain, and then um, there's um, REA Group, which 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 News News Corp owns. Domain is very much kind of Australia centred, whereas um, REA Media, REA Group um, has far more of a kind of international focus. So Domain. Is where it's listed in itself on the ASX, despite the fact that Nine owns a majority share. So its current kind of market capitalization is just over two billion, which, if you were to do the math, so it's always dangerous when I try to do that sort of thing as we're recording. But sixty percent of two billion, I would make about one point two billion. So the question for Nine is, what would they do with that money if they did um, release it? Would they use it to buy something else? Um, hey, look, it could fund buying an outdoor company or something like that, potentially, um, or it could be used, um, you know, some of it could be returned to shareholders. You know, there are all sorts of options. Um, but, of course, asking the private equity companies if they're interested is a long way from getting the answer yes, because they would probably want a valuation that is more 
than um, what it currently um, trades for on the uh, on the ASX. Otherwise, they could just you know gradually sell down, I suppose. And that key moment comes if they, you know, it, it isn't so much if you drop from you know sixty percent to fifty eight percent or something. It's if you dropped below fifty percent and effectively you don't have control anymore. Um, so I think we'll have to um, wait and see what happens next. But um, but yeah, we'll, um, we'll 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 have to see about that one. It's intriguing. I was chatting to a friend of mine a few days ago, and uh, he's he's in real estate, and it's an interesting insight. Is uh, he was thinking REA Group and and real estate, particularly realestate.com, which is just so massive. Its plan is to cut out the middleman, almost to cut out agents and take their commission. Like they're getting a bigger and bigger chunk of the pie, so it is lucrative. But one day, why would you need an agent when buyers go there for properties? They can do all the transactions, all the, they just need local people to actually organize showing the home, but you would, don't actually need agents. And then they can take more of the commission, which is a fascinating thought. It's definitely a sector where inertia really matters a lot. But yeah, um, that question, cutting out the middleman, is definitely the right question. Well, that's it for today. We'd love to hear what you think at letters at unmade.media. That's letters at unmade.media. Don't forget, if you want to support Unmade, you can become a paying member. Go to unmade.media to find out how. And if that seems like too much trouble, then at least give us a five-star rating on your favourite podcatcher. Today's podcast was produced with the usual enthusiastic support of Abe's Audio. See you next time. Toodle pip. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.